Welcome back to our study of the book of Proverbs. And today we are in chapter five and we're going to begin reading in verse seven. So open up your Bibles. <laughs> Proverbs chapter five, verse seven. Now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard-earned goods will go to the house of the alien. And you groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed and you say, how I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. As you can see, this is, uh, this is very serious. It talks about the consequences of sin, the consequences of not listening to God as he's revealed himself through his word. So let's pray. Father, I pray for the young people who uh, will listen to this video. I pray, first of all, Lord, that Christ would be precious to them, that they would see him as their savior, as their Lord. But also, Lord, that they would see the dangers of sin and the dangers of this sinful fallen world. And they would not only avoid evil, but they would cling to what is good. And most importantly, cling to Christ. In the word, in prayer, draw, drawing upon his strength. Dear God, help us now as we try to teach um, this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to actually begin in verse 9, but I, I want to start in 7 for a moment just to get a context. Now then, my sons. Now, I want you to look at this. Um, as a young person, it may be a little difficult for you to understand, but when you have a child, you love that child. You love that child so much and you want the best for that child. And, and that's what's going on here. This parent isn't talking because uh, he simply wants to restrict the joy of his children or take away blessings from them. It's, it's, it's the opposite. Like any good parent, he wants his child to prosper, to prosper spiritually, to prosper physically, um, to prosper intellectually, and to have joy, to have a good life. But see, the parent knows something, that this world is very deceptive. And there is one who is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And there are many lies, many falsehoods out there. And so in order to get by, and not just get by, but to be victorious, you need to learn. And young person, listen, you weren't born with all the knowledge that you need. You were born almost like a, uh, a clean slate. And so you need to learn scripture so that you can not only flee from those things that are evil, but you can cling to God through faith in Christ. Now, now my sons, listen to me. Listen. How many times do we see this in scripture? And in the book of Proverbs, we've seen it already over and over. And I, I, I sound like uh, an old clock that's just being rewound and hitting the same note, don't I? But that's the problem. 
People are so busy today. Young people are so preoccupied with everything, um, social media and all these things, entertainment, that they have no time to listen to God. They listen to their own heart. They listen to other people. They even listen to things they shouldn't be listening to. But they find it very, very difficult to listen to God. But that is the key to listen to God as he reveals himself, not through some man, but through his word. So he says, now then, my sons, listen to me and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Remember what we always say. Not only do you have to learn, you have to continue in the things that you have learned. You have to keep hearing them. And another word that comes up quite frequently in the scriptures is remember. Don't forget. You know, um, it's a lot easier to start than it is to finish. And a lot of people hear at first and then forget what they hear and they end up doing things that are very, very well contrary to a spiritual life and contrary to a blessed life. So you want to keep repeating, keep studying the scriptures. Don't ever say something like, well, I've read the book of Proverbs. I don't need to read it again. Or I've read Romans. Now that's done. You don't read the Bible and put it on a shelf and never read it again. It's not like other books. You read it continuously all the days of your life. And the older you get, the more you're going to see that you need it. So he says, now, after giving that, you know, admonition to listen and then continue in what you've learned, he says in verse eight, keep your way far from her and do not go near the door of her house. Now, here he's describing the adulteress. So it can be the adulteress or the adulterer. The man or woman who has no regard for someone else's family and breaks it up. A woman who takes the husband out of a family or a man who takes the wife out of a family. And it, it not only hurts the couple, it destroys the entire family. Now, the, the main context here is the adulteress or the adulterer. But we can apply this, especially as, as young people, to, to all kinds of sin and all kinds of temptation. Keep your way far from not only sin, but from those things in life that would cause you to sin or tempt you to sin. Now, I want you to think about this. I have worked with many alcoholics and, and, and drug addicts um, in my life. When I was in Peru, I, I worked for a few years with a, a rehabilitation center out in the desert outside of Lima. And um, why did we have that rehabilitation center so far outside of the city? Well, because one of the things that the Bible teaches is that you've got to separate from the temptation and sin that is dragging you down. The closer you get to it, the more you put yourself in danger. But not only do you have to separate yourself from sin, you need to join yourself to people who are on the same journey with you, who want also to avoid sin and to grow in the Lord and to become more righteous and more holy. And so it's, it's very important not to go near the fire or you're going to get burned. But one of the ways that helps us stay away from drawing near to the fire is by being with people 
who are on the same journey, as I said, but especially people who are wiser and more godly than we are so that they can have an influence on our life. If you have godly parents, they ought to be the greatest influence in your life. One of the things that we're going to teach here is that if um, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. If let's say you're 10 years old and all you ever do is hang out with other 10 year old boys, you're never gonna learn to be a man. Um, same way with a young lady, you're never gonna learn to be a woman. How, how do you learn to act mature? How do you learn to, to become an adult early in life? Well, it's by hanging around other adults. How do you become wise? By hanging around people who are wise. Now, he says, keep your, far, your way far from her or far from sin and do not go near the door of her house. Don't get near sin. Avoid temptation. Flee from it. Now, why? What are the consequences of sin? What makes it so dangerous? He says, or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one and strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard earned goods will go to the house of an alien. Now, what's going on here? Well, first of all, we're talking about staying away from people who would tempt you to leave the path uh, of righteousness. There are people who would tempt you to walk away from God and his commands. They have walked away from God and his commands, and now they want to draw you into the same thing. Now, I want you to think about something. Who is God? God loves us. There's no one like God with regard to his love, his compassion, his generosity, his forgiveness. There's no one like him. Now, if someone is disobedient to God and faithless to God and even shows hostility toward God, who is that good, then how are they going to treat you eventually? You know, there's a, a thing that, that we talk about at times. It's like when when governments may say, just just trust us, we will be good to you. But the same government promotes abortion, the, the murder of children. Well, then we say to ourselves, if a government would be willing to to murder infants in the womb, then what would it do to some person like me? You see, if someone is disobedient to God, hostile to God, does not respond appropriately to God's goodness, then how do you think eventually they're going to treat you? That's why he says, if you run around with these kinds of people who are in rebellion against God, sooner or later, they will misuse you and hurt you. And, and there's a perfect example, and I hope you're thinking about it. Do you remember the prodigal son? That's the perfect example of what we have here. And let's, so I want us to stop for just a moment, and I want you to go over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 15. And look at verse 11. 
And he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. So here's a son who doesn't care for his father. And he says, give me everything that's mine. I want to get away from you, but I want to take from you everything that is mine. And he goes on and he says, and not many days later, in verse 13, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. So he moved farther and farther away from his father. As so many young people move farther and farther and farther away from God. And what did he do? He squandered his estate with loose living. He lived in a way that was contrary to the law of God. You say, well, you know, there you go again, talking about the law of God, you know, God's law, God's restrictive law. No, God's good law that doesn't take anything good away from you. God is never going to prohibit a good thing. When God says, no, don't live this way, it's because he loves you and he's wiser than you are. And he knows what's best for you. Now, this father knew what was best for his son, but his son walked away with all the resources, all the goods that he should receive in his inheritance. And what does he do? He lives in a way that is contrary to his father and he spends everything he has on loose living. But look what happens in verse 14. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Remember what I said. After someone has used you up. If there's nothing left, they really don't care about you. If the unrighteous do not care about God, eventually their friendship with you will turn sour. And they'll use you up. And that's what we see in Proverbs chapter 5. And that's what we're seeing here in the prodigal. Verse 16. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. And no one was giving him anything. Now. I have met. In my 40 years of ministry, I have met so many people who have done this and they have literally destroyed their lives. Um, there were these places in Lima where people would go to take drugs and we called them huecos. We called, they were, the word means holes and, and they were abandoned buildings, but sometimes they were literally holes in the ground, like caves or something that had been dug out. And, and people also live in sewers and, and places like that. And you know what was just sad? I, I remember one time um, they were telling me that they had found a girl in there that previously had been absolutely a gorgeous young lady from a very wealthy family of high reputation. And she, she was there living in a hueco, in a hole, okay? So, so think about how she's fallen, just like the prodigal. He was there with a father who loved him, a father who was teaching him how to prosper 
and how to have a blessed life. A father who only wanted the best for him. But boy, he 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 just wanted something else, didn't he? He wanted to go out into the world. He wanted to experience life. And now he's wanting to eat with pigs. Do you see that? And I've seen so many young people do that in their life. And you say, well, I would never do that. Well, what you have to understand is that sometimes it's very gradual. And one day you wake up and you cannot believe that you are where you are. And then it says in verse 17, but when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. Now, we know how the story ends. His father sees him, doesn't shun him. His father gets up and runs to him and restores him. I want you to know that this is a, a picture of God's love, and it can also be a picture of a, a father's love. If your child goes out, if, if you're a, a father who is walking with the Lord, who loves his children, your children may go out and, and do terrible things. But if they return, you will receive them. But here's something you need to understand. When when my boys were young, I would tell them, now, now listen to me. Um, if you mess up your room, you know, dad can come in and fix it. If you break something, dad can usually come in and fix it. But there will come a time in your life where you could depart from God and literally shatter your life in a million pieces and your dad can't fix it. There will be consequences that he can't fix. And you say, well, God can fix them. God can forgive. And yes, God can heal many scars. But there are certain things that you need to understand that even though there is forgiveness and restoration, they will scar your life and they may scar your life permanently. Let me give you an example. A young man goes out and... Um, starts drinking with his friends, starts driving and drinking, and he gets in a car accident. He said, not harmed at all, but he's killed a family of five. He will go to prison. And even though there, even there, his family can forgive him, the family who was lost, uh, their relatives can forgive him, and God definitely can forgive him. There are consequences that he will never escape from in this life. Knowing that he took a family out of this world, knowing that he now has a criminal record, knowing that he has to spend years in prison where he's lost his life. So, yes, God can restore. I always want you to see that God can forgive no matter where you've been and what you are, what you've done. But know this, there are consequences. There are real consequences. Now, let's go on. Let's just read this again. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house or you will give your vigor to others and your years to the cruel one. And strangers will be filled with your strength and your hard earned goods will go to the house of an alien. Now look at this. Look at verse 11. He says, And you groan 
at your final end or your latter end when your flesh and your body are consumed. Um, don't think this is an impossibility. Uh, there are people who give themselves to such um, licentiousness, such wanton living, such, such sin, a life of sin, that they literally destroy their bodies. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I, I also, during seminary, I, I worked with street people. And for the last uh, half of the, let's see, the last year, I guess, of, of my seminary training, I lived down at a mission with the street people. And I saw people there who I just would immediately assume were 60 years old, but they were 35. Um, I saw people who had literally dilapidated, destroyed, ruined, not only their reputations and, and much of the possibility in their life, but they had ruined their own bodies. Sin impacts us spiritually, intellectually, and also physically. You can ruin your body. You can ruin your mind. And you can ruin countless opportunities. And you can reach a point where you groan at your final end. You look in the mirror and you groan. You say, Brother Paul, you're, you're scaring me. Good. <laughs> you need to be scared. Now, he says in verse 12, when the person reaches a point where they recognize, I have ruined my life. Now, listen to what they say in verse 12. And you will say how I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. Think about that. They've done the opposite of everything that we've learned about in Proverbs, haven't they? Throughout Proverbs, we've listened to instruction. What does it say? Not only did he not listen, he hated it. Why? There's really two reasons. One can be pride. I don't need anybody to teach me anything. I know it. And that's one of the things I want you to know that media seems to try to promote today. If you watch many, I mean, even when I was younger, if you watch many of these TV programs and sitcoms and stories about families and fathers and young people and things like that, it was amazing that almost in every case, the children or the young people or the teenagers knew more than their parents. That's a lie. And so a lot of people hate instruction because of pride. I know what I know and you're not telling me anything. Dad, what do you know? You're an old man. Yeah, he's an old man. He's learned a lot and he's seen more than you've seen. Another reason why people hate instruction, because it goes against their sinful desires. Listen to me. All the principles that we're studying are very, very helpful. But the first thing that needs to happen with you is heart surgery. I mean, you, you could train a parrot to say these things, and I suppose you could maybe train a monkey to do some of them. But here's what you need to understand. There has to come a point in time when you look at the word of God and you say to yourself, I love this. I love it. 
I see its wisdom. I see its benefit. I see the goodness of God. And how can you get to that point? It's only through Jesus Christ. It's only by knowing him. That is it. That's the only way. Before I became a Christian, I didn't want to know God's law or God's wisdom or anything about God. But when someone told me about Jesus Christ and God worked in my heart and changed my heart and I saw that the gospel was glorious and I trusted in Christ, I was changed. And I wanted to know his word. And when I learned from his word, I didn't hate it. Do you know what I did hate? I hated the sin within me. I hated the dullness of my mind. I hated the times when I strayed. But God's word was precious. So so if if you're studying this right now, for example, maybe your parents are making you study this and and you hate it. What does that tell you about you? It tells you you need a new heart. It tells you you're in danger. You need to go to Christ. You need to be saved. So he says, how I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I just I made fun of it. I knew better. I didn't need it. They tried to give me truth. My parents tried to correct me. The pastor tried to teach me. The Bible was there on the shelf. But I didn't care. And the result is in verse 11. You groan at your final end and when your flesh and your body are consumed. Now, look what he says in verse 13. I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, primarily my parents. Now, I want to say something here. There are people and they're called teachers and they can speak into your life. But what they tell you is the very opposite of Scripture. So how do you judge someone you ought to listen to and someone you ought to close your ear to? It's based on the word of God. Are they teaching you to draw near to the God of the Bible and live in obedience and dependence upon him? Or are they teaching you something totally and completely contrary? If you're homeschooled, probably one of the reasons why your parents are homeschooling you is because they realize that there are so many teachers out there today are going to teach the very opposite of the word of God. And you know what else? They're going to teach the very opposite of science the very opposite of real history. Because see, when you depart from God, you depart from the resource, the source of truth. And so it's going to, in time, it's going to poison everything you think about. And that's what's happening in our world today. He says, I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. Remember what it means to incline? Let's say you're sitting there and there's someone right here talking to you and uh, you can't hear them and you kind of lean over. What did you say? You know, um, let me share something with you. Um, in, in our church, for example, we have the public reading of Scripture and, and it happens usually more than once. So um, elders or pastors will get up or someone in the congregation And scripture will be read publicly because that's what the Bible commands in first Timothy. Now, even for someone like me who studies the Bible, I love the Bible. You know, I have to train myself. I have to discipline myself to listen. 
there's this part of us that just gets so distracted. And so when someone goes up to the pulpit to read from God's word, I have to say to myself, this is God's word. Kick everything else out of your mind, everything else out of your thoughts and and concentrate on what is being said. So he goes on and he says, I have not listened to the voice of my instructor, nor inclined my ear to I have not listened to the voice of my teachers, nor inclined my ear to my instructors. Um, I have known um, in different places around the world and especially where there were there was persecution. I have known uh, young people who were converted. And not only were their parents not Christians, um, their parents even attempted to take their life. They lived in utter hostility. Everyone was against them. How they would have longed to have had parents that also trusted in Christ and loved the word of God and wanted to teach them. But that's not what they had. But some of you listening to this video, that's exactly what you have. If most of you went to your father or your mother and you said, be my instructor, teach me the Bible. Well, they would rejoice in doing it. You see how privileged you are, maybe. And you see how what a travesty it is, what a dark sin it is. For you to be asked to maybe join in family devotions or be be instructed by your father or go to maybe a young people's group where the word of God's actually taught. You have that privilege, but you don't want it. To whom much is given. Much is required. Then he says in verse 14, I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Um. Here, not only is he in utter ruin, he's in utter ruin publicly. And um, this was important in the Middle East and in many cultures, it's more important than in the West. You know, in the West, we say, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. But the fact of the matter is, most of us do. And one of the best ways to destroy your reputation and destroy your name is by departing from Scripture and living a life of sin. And one of the best ways to maintain your testimony is by making this book your food, learning from it, obeying it, and allowing this book to rebuke you when you depart from its precepts. Well, I hope this has been helpful, and in the next lesson we will... Look at verse 15 through uh, 23. God bless. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would use this to help your people. Oh, God, I pray that fathers and mothers would disciple their children, have family devotions. And I pray that the children would recognize that it is a great privilege and a responsibility to be in such a family. Oh God, I pray that these young people would grow in their fear of you and grow in their fear of sin. And most of all, that they would trust 
in Jesus Christ and in him alone. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.